Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning, Crosspoint. Good morning, church. Good morning, guests. Uh, This is the Word of God. Can we pray real quick? Let's pray. Lord, we just want to encounter your love today. Uh, Increase our faith today as we hear your word. And we thank you for all that you sacrificed. We love you for it. Amen. Amen. If this is your first visit to Crosspoint, you guys are so welcome. And if it's not your first visit to Crosspoint, I love you guys so much. You put up with me. I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, I love you guys. Today is Good Friday, and we're going to take a look and take some time to reflect on the love and the life and death of Jesus, this Jesus who performed the greatest act of love in all history by living and dying for us. Can can you imagine that kind of love? It's kind of hard to imagine sometimes, but we sing songs like Good, Good Father, and it brings a tear to our eye, and we're, we're caught off guard, but can you imagine such a great love that someone would die for us. In Matthew 27, we encounter the greatest act of love in Jesus. And you know, see, Jesus in the scene is put on a trial by this foreign uh, Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And what floors me about this scene, above anything else, is the silence of Jesus. So I want, I want you guys to kind of figure out what I mean. So imagine for a moment we're in a modern courtroom. We'll bring up a picture here. This is a modern courtroom. It's musty and it's cluttered with, you know, redwood furnishings. And there's this lofty bench where the judge will sit. And as the judge sits there, this room is crowded and buzzing with anticipation as people are watching the trial about to happen. And occasionally it breaks out in these noisy disruptions. The defendant, though, sits calmly and silently in his chair. And accusations are thrown at him, and the witnesses are heard. And after very brief considerations, the judge leans forward in his chair and addresses the defendant. Their eyes meet. And the judge addresses the defendant, and he says, Well, what do you say about these accusations? Well, how do you plea?" And the air is sucked out of the room. And for what seems like forever, the defendant remains silent. And all of a sudden, the defendant's representation jumps in and says, well, he's guilty. He's guilty. And the defendant silently nods to the representation and to the judge, yes. And with great surprise, the judge just hands the defendant over to the people for this brutal punishment, death. From the crowd, you can see the defendant being led out of the room in chains. You know that you should be in those handcuffs. You know that this silent man is innocent. So why doesn't he say anything? Why why doesn't he defend himself? Why is he throwing his life away? 
Why would Jesus die for me? It's crazy when you imagine Jesus on trial. What's deafening about this passage is Jesus' silence. To be silent like Jesus when people are accusing you is this extreme example of self-control. Jesus being God who created the entire universe and could escape any fate with his power is silent in the face of death. It's crazy. I would be freaking out. But there is such purpose in Jesus' silence. But what is it? What was Jesus' mission as he faced the cross? As he faced death on a cross? Why did Jesus die? So today, we're going to answer that question. Why would Jesus die for us? Why would Jesus die for us? You know, the word of God says that Jesus came so we might have life that we truly live. So in this passage, we discover what Jesus is offering us today in the greatest exchange. So I would like to make just, just three quick observations of how Jesus' death offers us life. How Jesus' death offers us life. So observation number one, Jesus carried our guilt so we could be guiltless. So what made Jesus' death so powerful was his innocence and our guilt. You know, Pilate's wife in this passage says, do not have anything to do with this innocent man. And what followed was the greatest miscarriage of justice and at the same time, the greatest act of love. Pilate washed his hands of the responsibility for Jesus and handed this innocent man who the people called Messiah over to be crucified like a guilty murderer. Let me remind you, though, what's important here. It's not just the guilty sentencing and death of an innocent man. It's not the people who demanded his death, and it's, but it's the mercy of God who would use this incredible evil for this amazing good for our sake. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we would, might be the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? So because Pilate's fear and because of the foolishness of the people and because of the great obedience of Christ, Jesus would bear the weight of sin on the cross. Why would he do that? I'll tell you. So when he looks upon us, he sees innocent men and women. When Jesus died, and when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees his son in us. So if Jesus went to the cross to bear our guilt for our sin, why would we still carry them today? Is that you? I want, I want to know, are you being crushed under the weight of your shame? Are you being crushed under the weight of your guilt? Jesus died to take that weight off your shoulders. That's the great exchange. Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to carry around that sexual sin, your abuse or your trauma, and those deep-seated wounds of days that have far been passed. 
But there's good news. It's not, it doesn't just end there. It's the great exchange. There's more. Jesus didn't just die so we wouldn't be guilty of our sin. He didn't just die so we could have death insurance. Jesus died so we could truly live. Today. That is the great exchange. All right, so now observation number two. Jesus was rejected so we could be accepted. So in Jesus, we find the only kind of acceptance in the eyes of the only person who could truly make us feel like we're not alone. In the eyes of our Heavenly Father. This passage says that the priests and the elders had persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. The people were persuaded, meaning not everyone really wanted Jesus dead, but they were convinced that a murderous and militant radical was more important than this king of the Jews. And in the end, Jesus was utterly and completely rejected, just as he is commonly rejected today. But the word of God says, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. And because of Jesus now, we are now reconciled with God. And not only that, but we are invited into the family of God through adoption in his son, Jesus Christ. So if Jesus suffered rejection, humiliation, and this extreme loneliness on the cross, why would we spend another day feeling paralyzed by abandonment and rejection. Is that you? Why would we do that when our acceptance has been purchased and sealed in Christ? Is that you today? Jesus died to invite you back into the family of God, into the body of Christ. You're invited. That's why Jesus died. And it still doesn't just end there. This is the great exchange. It's greater than that. Jesus didn't just die so you would be accepted in the family of God. Jesus died so you could truly live. That is the great exchange. So quickly, observation number three is that Jesus was bound so you could be free. Not only was he put in chains and nailed on a cross, but Jesus' captivity supernaturally set us free from the power of sin. You know, verse 26 says that then Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Picture this. Barabbas, who was this murderous rebel who defied Rome, was unchained and let out of prison. And the people loved him. They demanded him, give us Barabbas. And while Jesus was led away in chains, stripped naked and whipped within an inch of his life, and nailed to a cross to die a slow and horrific death. Why would he do that? Why would he endure that for us? Well, Jesus said this. He said, I have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Isn't that a great exchange? Jesus came to set the captives free. How? By becoming a prisoner in our place. Jesus would suffer in ways beyond the limits of our imagination. Imagine the pain of his slow and gruesome death. Imagine his anguish 
as he was crushed in front of his heavenly father. Even as Jesus was being led to the slaughter, Barabbas was being set free. So in this moment, in this passing moment, Jesus was loving Barabbas. He was being bound and crushed while Barabbas was being set free and alive. This is the great exchange that is offered to us today. So in the same way, every step that Christ takes towards the cross, Jesus is loving us. We are Barabbas. Jesus faced the cross so we could be free. So how much more freedom do we have when we put our faith in Jesus? So if Jesus experienced such pain and suffering on the cross for us, why would we remain bound if Jesus is offering us the opportunity to be free? Jesus died so we could be free. Free from the power of sin in our lives. And Jesus died ultimately so we could truly live. That is the great exchange. So why is this important for us today? Let me ask you this. Are we living lives worthy of his sacrifice? Are we living lives worthy of his sacrifice? Jesus pursued the cross in pursuit of you and me. He did it for love. He was loving those who would accuse him. He would love those who blatantly rejected him. He was loving the vicious prisoner Barabbas. He was loving us. One prisoner was exchanged for another. This is the great exchange. Jesus exchanged his life for ours so we could truly live. God the Father wants more for us through his son Jesus Christ. So let me explain what I mean. Parents and kids, listen up. This is the illustration portion. My son, Judah, he's one and a half, and every day he doesn't cease to change and learning and to learn and amaze me. Every day is a new day with my son, and I love it. Being a parent is amazing. And I know, I can't even describe how much I love Judah. And I know some of you parents understand that. You just can't articulate the love you have for your kids. Dominique and I pray every night that Judah would know Jesus. We pray that he would follow Jesus and that God would be his source of joy and strength and value alone. I just want so much for him. I want to give him anything he needs to have a full and fulfilling life. But Dominique and I still really pray because we understand that he's not always going to see the big picture just like us. And for example, my son, he has this little soccer ball. This is literally the one he loves so much. He hoots and hollers as he kicks it around our kitchen at our house. And so one day, because I just love the stinker so much, I go out and buy him this bigger and better ball. Because obviously, like, why not? But here's the funny thing. So the day I come into the house with this new ball, a bigger and better one, Judah is sitting in the living room playing with this little soccer ball. And I tell him to come around the corner and see what I have for him. But he seems pretty content with this little soccer ball. And I start to beg Judah. I'm like, please, Judah, come see what I have for you around the corner. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. 
You're going to love this bigger and better ball I have. If only you could see it. If only you knew what I had for you. He wouldn't just sit there and be like, I'm good. He would run to me and he would grab that bigger and better ball and he would play with it. And eventually Judah did come and grab this bigger and better ball from me and he played with it for like five seconds before he moved on. All the parents understand. But listen, that's how God the Father feels about you. He's already purchased you something bigger and better for your life in his son Jesus. But some of us don't always see it. The good news is, the good news of Jesus is that a big, the gospel is bigger than getting out of hell and living forever. God wants you to truly live now. He wants you to come to him for more life now. That is the great exchange. So here's my single point. Look at me and then write this down. Jesus died so you could truly live. Jesus died so you could truly live. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is the life you're living today worthy of his living, loving sacrifice? Is it? Or maybe this is true. Are you a prisoner in your own life? Do you feel like there's this black cloud following you around every day? Or maybe you're being crushed under the weight of stress. Or are you paralyzed by fear? Does life kind of feel like this big pit of quicksand and you keep getting stuck over and over? You get up and you get stuck and you get up and you get stuck. If that's how you feel, Jesus died so you don't have to feel that way. Jesus died so it doesn't have to be that way. What does that mean in your life today? Imagine with me what that might look like. Imagine living free from guilt in your life. Imagine going through your life and your relationships without the weight of shame that will make you irritable. Imagine that. That vicious cycle of shame would be gone in Jesus' name. Imagine living with the confidence that you are a child of God and accepted into the family of God. Imagine that, the confidence. Imagine a life where you're free from the prison of addictions and trauma and hurt and sin. Jesus loves you that much. Come to him today for the great exchange. So now, as we close today, I want to be clear that not only are we extending an invitation for you to come to Jesus, but we want you to experience all that he has for you, especially as he lords over your life. We want to give you the full invitation for the great exchange. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. 
Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton, and you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.